All right. Good morning. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries, a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Today is October the 2nd, and we are continuing to work our way through uh, the book of Acts together. We find ourselves today in Acts chapter number 21. Paul goes to Jerusalem. Um, sounds like an old movie. Mr. Smith goes to Washington or something like that. Paul goes to Jerusalem. Um, as we know, chapter number 20 was wholly given, uh, given over to Paul's ministry in Ephesus. Um, he finished his conversation with the Ephesian elders. And, of course, now he's uh, on his way to Jerusalem. So uh, let's go ahead and look in um, our Bibles to Acts chapter number 21. And... Um, Let's see. Good morning, Matt. God bless you, brother. Uh, Shoot me this morning. Uh, Acts chapter number 21. And it came to pass that after we were gotten from them, notice there we, uh, Paul is not the writer. Luke is the one writing. This is in first person, Luke. And had launched, we came with a straight course to Coes. And the day following unto Rhodes, and from thence to Patara, and finding a ship sailing over into Phoenicia, we went aboard and set forth. Um, and when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand, and sailed to Syria, and landed at, at Tyre, for there the ship was to be unlaid of her burden. And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go to Jerusalem. And when we had accomplished those days, we departed and went our way, and they all brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city, and we kneeled down on the shore and we prayed." So these disciples warned Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. Um, the question is, was Paul being disobedient to the Spirit? Um, because it seems like, you know, because if you look in Acts chapter 20, you remember up in 22-24, and now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me or await me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Um, I believe this is a case of we have to do what we believe that the Lord wants us to do regardless of what others say. Now, I don't believe the others were necessarily wrong. They were clearly led by the Spirit in what waited Paul, or waited for Paul, but apparently it is what God wanted for Paul. They were just telling Paul the inevitable. They were telling Paul what Paul already knew, Um and we're going to see down in verse number 11, uh, Agabus is going to tell him again what's awaiting for him at Jerusalem. So I don't, I don't think these guys were 
telling Paul anything that he did not already know. So they're telling him not to go, but Paul says, in the spirit, I was told to go. Um, again, I think these guys were just telling Paul what he was, what was going to happen, you know, their fear for him. But again, I mean, you cannot let what other people... I've had people come up to me and tell me things that were totally contrary to what I believed God was calling me to do. Um, and ultimately, we have to be accountable to God. As well-meaning as these guys were, and, and the Spirit did obviously tell them what awaited him in, in Jerusalem. Um, there's some debate. I mean, you can read some different commentaries about whether or not the Lord actually told these guys to tell Paul not to go. Um or if the Holy Spirit just told Paul what was awaiting them there, and they told him not to go. But the bottom line is we have to do what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. I'm reminded of uh, there's a uh, passage in Kings uh, that uh, between an old prophet and a young prophet that I think uh, perfectly illustrates this. And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, behold, a child shall be born into the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priests to the high places and burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord hath spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. And it came to pass that when, the, when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from, from the altar, saying, Lay hold of him, grab him. And his hand, which he put forth against him, dried up so that he could not pull it again to him. And the altar was rent, and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God, and pray for me that my hand may be restored me again. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored again, and it became as it was before. And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me, and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. Listen. And the man of God said unto the king, If you were to give me half of your house, I would not go with you. Neither will I eat your bread, neither will I drink in this place, water in this place. For so was I charged, so was it charged me by the word of the Lord. The Lord told me to eat no bread, to drink no water, nor turn again by the way that thou camest. So he went away and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. So that's pretty clear. This young man was told to go to prophesy before the altar to Jeroboam. And when he was done, he wasn't to drink, he wasn't to eat. He wasn't even to exit the same way that he came in. But look what he does. Now there dwelt in an old prophet in Bethel. And his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel, the words which he had spoken unto the king. Then they told also to their father. And their father said unto them, 
what way went he? For his sons had seen what way the man of God went, which came from Judah. And he said unto his sons, Saddle me the ass. So they saddled him the ass, and he rode thereon. And he went after the man of God, and he found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. And then he said unto him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. Why? Because the Lord said to me, By that thou shalt eat no bread nor drink water there, nor turn again to go the way which that thou camest. And he said unto him, this is the key, I am the prophet, also as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. So he went back with him, and he ate bread in his house and drank water. And it came to pass, as they sat at the table, the word of the Lord came unto the prophet that brought him back. And he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, For as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back, and hast eaten bread and drunk water in this place, of the which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread, drink no water, thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulchre, of thy fathers. Well, that's a bummer. And it came to pass, after he had eaten the bread and he had drunk, that he saddled him his ass to wit, for the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. And his carcass was cast in the way, and the ass stood by it, and the lion also stood by the carcass. Moral of the story here is that you got to do what God tells you to do, regardless of what other people around you say. Uh, in my ministry, I've had people put their arms on my shoulder and start multiple conversations with God told me to tell you, or God showed me, or, you know, but you got to do what God tells you to do. You cannot be like the young prophet. You do what God tells you to do. Um, so I'm not denying that these people actually heard from the Lord. But what they were telling Paul to do <clears throat> was not what God was telling Paul to do. You got to do what God tells you to do regardless. And when we get down to verse number 11, we're going to be introduced to Agabus. And Agabus is going to, instead of saying, don't go, he's going to say, this is what's going to happen to you. And we're going to see here, we're going to see that Paul was for sure called to Jerusalem. Um, and then in verse number six, and when we had taken our leave one of another, we took ship and they returned home. So Paul's going to do what God told Paul to do. And when he had finished our course from Tyre and came to Ptolemais and saluted the brethren and abode with them one day, and the next day that were of Paul's company departed, we that were of Paul's company departed and came to Caesarea. 
And we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. Now, one of the seven is referring to one of the seven deacons that were <clears throat> ordained in chapter in chapter number six. Uh, this is the same Philip that ministered to the Ethiopian eunuch on the road to Gaza in Acts chapter number eight. And you'll remember when we studied the Ethiopian eunuch, it wasn't so much that he was a eunuch as that he was set aside to, to the ministry of Candace. Um, and then notice in verse number nine, and the same man had four daughters, virgins who did prophesy. And bear in mind that we are still around 60 AD and prophecy had not ceased. Um, a lot of people look at 1 Corinthians 13, 8, charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Uh, many dispensationalists um, um, believe that once Paul finished writing the Pauline epistles, um, that all those things were signs to the nation of Israel, and all those things stopped once the kingdom offer was off the table. If that be the case, then that hasn't happened yet, so these daughters are still prophesying. And remember, prophesying, I mean, there's two forms of prophesying in the Bible. There's to foretell and to foretell. Today, we very much foretell the Word of God. I'm foretelling the Word of God to you now. But to foretell means to speak what is not previously known. And some people believe uh, that, you know, that, that sign gift is no more. Um, it ceased once Paul finished uh, writing his Pauline epistles for the body of Christ. Some people will say it's the canonization of Scripture, um, that which is perfect. Um, well, if it's canonization of Scripture, then it wouldn't have happened until 300 A.D. at the, I think it was the Council of, oof, I forget which council it was that they agreed on the canon. But I would say the canon was complete, whether or not it was collected into the books uh, when Paul finished, because Paul was uh, the last writer. Um, so... But anyway, I mean, you got to make a decision there. I just think the sign gifts, um, I mean, if, if, if Acts chapter number 2 was about Pentecost and the nation of Israel and was not about the birth of the church, then we can't model anything we do based off of Acts chapter number 2. Uh, and, and, and sadly, um, I, I myself have preached sermons on back to Pentecost, Um so I'm going to lean toward that once the kingdom was off the table, all the sign gifts ceased. Uh, because I'm going to be honest with you, I, I see no lasting fruit um, today uh, in the, the Pentecostal movement. I, I see nothing but I see a lot of heresy and confusion. confusion. Um, you know, I just had this conversation with a young lady the other day. I mean, I look at these ministries today that are just, I mean, they're way outside the borders of the pride land, to quote the Lion King, uh, when it comes to these things. I, I, I see no fruit. I see nothing but uh, 
destruction. And I think uh, signs and lying wonders are a sign of the end and the Antichrist. So I'm going to go with uh, most dispensationalist. I am. Uh, I, I have found myself in the cessationist camp on this issue in my old age. So, um, And then as we tarried there, many days there came from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. Okay, And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle, and he bound his own hands and his feet, and says, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle, and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So here's another prophet warning Paul about going to Jerusalem, not telling Paul anything that he did not already know. Now, some identified this Agabus with the one mentioned in Acts 11.28, and there stood one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there would be a great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Notice that his message to Paul is simply what was going to happen to him once he arrives. He did not try to stop him, like the ones back in chapter number 4, that may have very well spoken out of emotion. So obviously, Paul had to go to Jerusalem for these things to happen. And interestingly, and I'll, I'll skip ahead just a little bit, in Acts twenty three eleven, the Lord told Paul, the night following the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou also bear witness of me in Rome. So obviously, the Lord agreed that Paul needed to be in Jerusalem as well. So, all right, guys. Well, today's uh, Friday. It's good to good to see you, Matt. God bless you, my brother. And um, hope you guys <clears throat> have a great weekend and uh, continue studying the Word of God, man. I mean, you're dividing truth from truth. Um, and uh, Sunday morning, I'll be with you at 8 a.m. And we'll put this all together in one message. And, uh, and believe it or not, m more than not, that's what most people listen to in these studies is the Sunday morning message, which can tend to be a little bit more succinct than the daily Bible study. So, but anyway, um, just want to remind you that, uh, you know, the studies, um, I put all of the main sessions. So Sunday would be session 34. Um, I put them on here on my blog. I also have all the audio studies um, on the blog as well as the video studies on the blog. So anyway, I encourage you to check those out. God bless you. Have a great weekend.